Being an entrepreneur can be a lonely place. Most businesses don't even get past the first three years. So in this series, we're going to be talking to entrepreneurs that are high-performing or high-performing businesses that can help you with hints, tips and hacks to help you fast-forward your way to success. My name is Mark Burgess. I've got over 20 years experience working as an entrepreneur, building up various different businesses. I've wrote a best-selling book. I speak nationally and internationally at different conferences. And this is Raising Your Game. Welcome to this episode. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Neil King, who's got over 14 years experience of running his own business, and he's going to share some golden nuggets of information based around customer journeys and the difference between just running a business and running an award-winning business. Neil, thanks for coming in today and taking a bit of time out of your busy schedule. Um, what I wanted to do today was to try to pick your brains and get some advice for people out there that are either stuck in their business or just need a little bit of advice on where to go with it sure. from your background. Um, but before we really start digging into that, can you just give us a bit of a background on how you started out in a state agency, how you end up in the business that you've got today? Sure, no problem at all. Um, my name's Neil King, my company's called Neil King Residential. Um, it all, went, all started way back in uh, 1984. I left school, didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do. Stumbled, as most people do, into a state agency. Um, went for an interview, got offered a job. Uh, junior negotiator. Over the course of some years, worked my way through, uh, right the way up into negotiator roles and then, and then the manager role. Um, and my career really went on for, for 20 years from there. In the, uh, the mid-80s, it was very fashionable for banks and building societies to go out and buy small chains of estate agents. Uh, I was fortunate that uh, the company I worked for got bought by a company called Halifax. And then I worked my way through, um, as, I, as I mentioned earlier on, from junior role uh, through to uh, manager, area manager, regional director, winning regional, national awards along the way, uh, cars, holidays, the, the usual things that come with the, with the 80s. Wow, okay. And then uh, after that, you decided that you was going to uh, start your own business, obviously. So if you've... You've gone into, uh, I'm, guess, I'm guessing that you didn't have any jobs before you were an estate agent. No, my first job. Right, so you've gone into, into this estate agency as a junior, with the dream maybe one day of being a manager and, a, and, and maybe even higher than that. And you've spent 20 years working through this corporate ladder. So you've got to the stage whereby you're now running regions for some of the biggest uh, you know, companies in the, in the country. What what is it that makes you then suddenly go, you know what, I'm going to jack all that in. I'm on the path to maybe even being managing director of some of them companies. I'm going to jack all that in and I'm going to decide to start my own business. And once you did it, how quickly did you get the come down to earth with a thud of the realisation of what, in your, what running your own business actually entails? Wow, big question. Yeah. Um, so I would say that I always always harboured the ambition to to one day run my own business. My father ran his own business. It was in the sort of family DNA. Um, wasn't in property, so I always sort of wanted to have that dream of doing it. I think working my way through the roles and right the way up to to, to regional director of the big PLC, and you're 100 percent right. You know, I'm spending two days a week working out at Liverpool Street on the corner from here. Um, and it was interesting, but I didn't feel fulfilled in what I wanted to do. I always wanted to think, you know what, I've learned so many great things, systems, processes, and those things, but 
also saw the downside of it and thought, you know, there's a lot more that can be added into the, the, the personal approach bit. So 2004, uh, backing on my wife, uh, everyone was a bit frightened, a bit scared, um, took the plunge, opened up on our own um, and, uh, and really didn't look back, to be honest with you. In terms of, the, I think the next bit you said was when it already was a bit of a thud. Yeah, just the realization of uh, what's it, what, what, is, what is entailed in, in running your own business. Probably two minutes after opening the door on the first day, <laughs> because that's when you have the realization that all of the things that you took for granted that were ah, that's, this works that way, and this water's there, and the system here, and the process there, you suddenly realize that you know I may have been a, a big fish in a big pond, um, but you probably under I certainly had underestimated maybe the. The, the, the years and the money that the company must have spent um, putting the structure into place to support people, to allow people like me to go and do what he was good at. So two minutes after opening, I soon realized that I was the uh, cleaner, uh, putting the boards up, uh, the accountant at some stage or after the VAT, and all of the stuff that came with that. So that was a, that was a pretty big thud down to earth that you had to adjust to and, and work a plan out of how am I gonna make this work. Yeah, so, if you, if you could go back in time, um, you've obviously come through that period. Um, you know, I've known you for a long time and I've seen uh, the business just become one of the most admired uh, agencies in, in the country, if not uh, internationally even. People talk to me about how this, how this whole system works. Um, winning multiple awards. You obviously came through that period somehow many businesses um, kind of stay there forever. You know, uh, you become the, the master of random stuff. Uh, you, you go into work with all great intentions of doing some important work and you end up spending half the day under the desk fixing a cable. Um, so clearly, if you, if you kind of realize that two minutes after opening your doors, you also must have thought of a way of solving that problem to get to the stage where you are today where the business runs you know, a lot more smoothly and, and, and you do a lot more of the stuff that only you can do. If you could go back in time and give your younger self some advice that might speed up that process of you getting from there to where you are now, what kind of advice would you, would you give? I think the, probably the main advice I would give myself would be delegation. You have to ensure that you delegate what would be the jobs, as you just mentioned, fixing cables under desks. When you open your own business, you want to try and be lean. You think you can make some money, you can make this work by doing everything. When in reality, uh, the objection you put in your own mind about, actually I can't afford to take someone on to do that job, you actually can't afford not to take someone on to do that job because the more time you are taken away from the from the coalface or working on your business and driving it forward, you're doing more damage to it. The cost of me not being on the business um, was 10 times more, if not more, than actually employing someone to do the job. So um, someone could clean the office but couldn't go out and do the valuations, um, whereas I could clean the office and couldn't really find someone to go and do the valuations that I could do. So it's about the delegation and finding the right roles for people to do and feeling comfortable in doing that. What about the, if, if, if someone was to take that though and say, yeah, that's great, but I can do the jobs better than the person that I employ. You know, I've got a cleaner, but they don't clean it quite as good as I would clean it because they don't care about it as much. Or um, I've got someone who will go and do my face-to-face -face appointments, but their conversion rate is never gonna be as great as mine. Or, 
you know, someone does my letters, but they always write them a little bit different to how I would do it. Well, how do you get over that problem? It's about um, letting go a little bit of control as well. It's about accepting that that person going out and doing those appointments, their conversion rate might not be as good as yours. You have to accept that because that's still going to enable business to come in. You're still going to have some income coming in, some revenue, whilst you're concentrating on the more important parts of planning where your business is going to go. You can then train that person to deliver what you want. Yes, they're never going to do as good as you are, but it's going to get to a level of acceptance where you say, that's fine, because that's going to take us where we need to, whilst I'm concentrating on the more important parts. Okay, so you started the business, you figured this out, you delegated the work. What would be some of the biggest challenges that you've faced over the last 10, 14 years of running this company? So, um, for a long period of time, the state agency was, was very basic. You know, you was, uh, you'd, you'd advertise in a paper, you'd get a call for evaluation. If you wasn't getting called, you'd go and put leaflet through doors. It was pretty generic in what you could do, whereas lately, it's very much on change. You've got to embrace change. You're going to be a dinosaur. I've been in the business a long, long time now. I could carry on doing what I'm doing at the moment, but I can guarantee year on year, the revenues would have dropped off. Um, but by doing and embracing the change and, and, and working out really what the uh, customer wants and how that journey is going to pan itself out um, is where it takes you really to the, to the next level. Okay, so if you uh, are, so, so forgive me if, I, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm misunderstanding or putting words into your mouth, but, but would you say that it's, it's right to say if you're working in a business whereby you are the business, you are doing everything, then it's impossible for you to ever get out of that hole because you've never got the time to work as the managing director Correct. or, or something, something along those lines, managing director, CEO, whatever you want to call yourself. Uh, you're, instead, you're just doing the day-to-day -day work instead of being able to decide the vision for the business. Is that, yeah, would you put that Very one? much so, and it's quite easy to get caught up in the doing the everyday stuff and it's going all right and it's bringing some money in and you're thinking wow we're all okay and suddenly you could be three four years down the road and think ah this is okay this is good you've got to find the time you're 100 percent right you've got to find the time to work on your business step back from it plan what can we do to make the journey for the customer better what can we do to enable us to move forward and and, and i suppose the toughest thing I had to deal with or answer myself was what's going to happen if I wasn't able to come into work tomorrow? Wow. And, and so what did you find then when you, just, when you asked yourself that question? Uh, for a long period of time, uh, the answer was I can't not afford not to come into work. You've got to be there. Um, but you realise, we touched on it earlier on, you realise that with, with processes and procedures in place, um, and, and training people the right way to deliver what you want to do for working on uh, the customer journey and, and, and delighting a customer and making sure that the, the, the interaction with us as a business is a positive one and they enjoy it. Um, that's really what we, what, what we strove to do and um, very, very difficult initially to let that go. Yeah. Because you open your own business, because the majority of the time you open your own business because you want to do things differently from what you've come from. Uh, whether it be in the same industry or something different, so you've got an element of, I must control that. So it's, it's, not, it's not, uh, not controlling every aspect of it. Okay. Something that you touched on there, um, you mentioned customer journeys. 
Um, so we're going to go to a break, but when we come back, I just want to try and dig into that a little bit to give people a bit, bit of a better understanding of what you mean by customer journeys and how they work. Of course, no problem. Okay, so before the break, we were just we just touched on customer journeys. You mentioned it, and I said I was going to dig into it a little bit more for any of the viewers out there that don't understand customer journeys. It's something we've spoken about before in the past, um, but it kind of ties in with the next question that I was going to ask you anyway, which I think I think your answer is going to relate to customer journeys. So the question was, what do you see as the difference between running a business and running the type of business that you run whereby you are regularly winning awards, uh, you're in the media, people are traveling actually to just see how the business runs. What's the difference between that, running a, running a business and running an award-winning business that people admire? Uh, easy answer, I think. Uh, running a business, anybody can run a business. Uh, you can set your business up, run your business, you can uh, sell houses, let houses in our industry, you can make some money, you can make a very good living, have nice holidays, kids in school, whatever you want to do, that's all great. But running an award-winning business is all about what the customer wants, satisfying, satisfying the customer, delighting the customer, um, and getting some customer journeys in there um, to understand really what the customer wants and what's going to please them um, and ultimately why they're going to want to do business with you. So, so let's dig into that, customer journeys, right? We've mentioned it, we've spoken about it, but someone's still sitting at home thinking like, what are you talking about? Like, how would you describe a customer journey? Okay, so for my business, um, not every customer is, a, is a, well not every person that wants to sell or rent a house isn't, is not always a customer for me. So a customer for me is, is, is defining and planning out exactly what Persona, what customer persona really is for me. Um, working out really, and I learned a lot of this from you guys, working out uh, what the makeup is of that person, um, what type of property that they own, uh, what their occupation is, where they live, uh, all the demographics and all those things that are associated with that. And then building uh, this awesome customer journey around them and, and making content that really goes out and appeals to those people draws them into you. So you, are you saying, um, this, is, this is awesome, so are you saying that you would uh, not necessarily want to take on everybody's house to sell? I mean, you're, you know, the general view of an estate agent, this is for the wider business community, so this isn't just related to estate agency, but just for this, the purpose of this, general view of an estate agent, which you take any house on, sell it to anybody who's interested, are you saying that you wouldn't do that? I am 100%. And that's all part of the change that I had to go through uh, to evolve your business and move it forward. Um, for somebody who wasn't my ideal customer, uh, I could sell their house for them, they wouldn't enjoy the experience. Something would break along the way there that they wouldn't enjoy. Um, so therefore, yes, in answer to your question, we specifically aim at a certain type of person. Wow. So. If I, if I use an estate agent, do I not just want the end result? Uh, do I not just want to, uh, you know, I want to sell my house? 
you sell my house, I'm happy. It doesn't work like that. The, re the end result is always the same, but it's the enjoyment and it's the process along the way. Uh, you want, a, you want a, a wall painted in your house. Uh, you could paint it yourself. You could go out and paint, pay someone cheap uh, that's just going to come and help you out and do it. Or you could go to someone who's going to deliver everything that you want. They are going to turn up when they say they are. They're going to let you pick the colour. They're going to involve you as much as you want to be involved. It, the job's going to be clean and tidy. You're going to be so satisfied with the guy that painted that wall that not only are you going to pay him, but you're going to recommend him to all your family and friends. Yeah, and I guess none of those three are right or wrong. None. Some people fall into one, some people Correct. fall into... Yeah. Uh, so if you, if you design your customer journey for one of those three types of people, do you run the risk then of... I mean, how do you... How do you get over the problem of, in the early days, you want all three of those people? True. Right? You, you, you've just opened up your business, uh, you've got to pay your bills every month, and there's even there's people out there now that have been running businesses for 10 years that are, you just want to pay the bills every month. The, the, the goal of the business is to meet the payroll. Correct. Um, and so they're not going to be turning business away. So how do you get to the stage where you are comfortable saying, not that one, that one's not for us? All the way back to that change again, um, it, it's very, very hard initially because you are juggling lots of balls. You, are, you know where the promised land is, you know where you want to go with that customer journey, but you're still having to take this type of customer because you need to pay that bill. You need to get to that stage where you're going to say, this isn't going to go any further. We are going to continue doing half of a job for everybody. We need to focus on doing the complete job. So once you've built that customer journey, you, you, you're, you're, you're building the content and you're aiming at those people, you'll find that naturally what will come to you will be that type of person. You won't have the person that isn't your ideal customer coming to you because they're not attracted to you. Yeah, wow. That's, that's, that's great advice. So. Um, if I've uh, sat, oh, so, so I've followed this advice, right? I've, I'm, in, I'm in a business at the moment and I'm doing a million and one things. I never have time to really focus on the business. Um, I'm dealing with all different kinds of customers. Some, of, some people love us. Some people think we're fantastic and they pay good fees and, 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 and we're almost like friends. Some people have an okay experience and some people it just, it just never really worked out for. Um, are you saying that all of that gets solved by just figuring out who the perfect customer is and only working with the type uh, that you ended up becoming that, that, that really liked you, that paid a good fee, um, and then designing the service just for those people when the other two come and knock on your door, you say, I'm, I'm not sure it's for you. Is that how your business would work now? Yes. Wow. <laughs> that, that is exactly how it works now, and I know that's quite difficult, even it's hard for me sometimes to, to understand that. You're very tempted to make lots of different customer journeys, and, and, and then you're going to have different people within your organisation that can appeal to different people. For me, that really wasn't what it was all about, because ultimately, your customer is, is your customer. Yeah. You can't have three or four different types of customers. You set your stall out your customer journey, you plan it, you map it, you know where it's at, that's the one that you need to deep breath, that's what I'm going to aim at. You'll find when you start having those customers come to you, 
They like you, they want to do business with you, they're like-minded like you. You're actually dealing with a smaller amount of people for higher revenue, and you're spending so much more time with those people that their experience and their enjoyment and their delight is, is top. So, and that's, and, and, and I guess, you, you know, you've answered my first question in the difference between running a business and running an award-winning business, because when you've got a smaller pool of people that you're gonna work with and give them a very bespoke service for what they're looking for, you can predict what it is they're gonna be wanting at the next stages and how you're gonna fill them with delight, which ultimately leads to them nominating you for awards or yes. voting for you or, saying, or telling their friends. Um, I mean, I know before we started filming, you, you, were, you were telling me about a lady who was literally invited her neighbour in yeah. to tell, you, tell her about the stuff that you do, and she'd, she'd done your whole pitch for you. She did. Um, that, I guess, only happens once you have already pre-figured out how you're gonna fill your customers with delight, yep. and if you're having too many different kinds of customers come in, you, you're never gonna have the capacity to fulfill the customer journey. Yes. You, I guess you can have other customer journeys based on, on small differences, like perhaps um, a, 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 someone in their 30s might need a slightly different approach to someone in their 50s, but um, essentially the service and the journey is the same. Yeah. In the same way that like, you know, the iPhone is the iPhone, but different things appeal to it about, to a 30-year-old as a 50-year-old. Yes. How do you know, so you've, you've, you've done the work, you've, you've delegated all of, the, all of the stuff that you used to have to do, you've sat down, you've made your customer journey, you've put it all in place, all looks good, it's all working. Is that it forever, or how do you know when your customer journey is not working? You would love that to be forever. <laughs> uh, you, you soon know when your customer journey isn't working, when you start getting complaints, when people start saying to you, this isn't quite what I thought it would be, this isn't working, you know that somewhere in your customer journey, something's broken, something's gone wrong, so the map has to come back out, you've got to track yourself way back and say, where did it go wrong, let's fix it, let's get that delight back in there. Yeah, love that. Um, how, do you, how do you go about the process of figuring out who you should be making the customer journeys for? Um, I mean, if, if you're an estate agent, you've, you've, you've been dealing with all different kinds of people. You've had the, in, in the terminology you use, you've had the guy who liked painting his own wall, you've had the guy who uh, just wanted to do it, get done on the cheap, and you've had the guy that wanted the complete service. How do you figure out which one of them you should be dealing with? For me, is the one that wants the complete service. Um, and that really comes about from, it's the, uh, before you actually come to make that customer journey, you would have stumbled across these people, you would have dealt with these people. It's the one that um, you know likes what you're offering, right. is, willing, is willing to pay the fee, um, and he's on the same wavelength in terms of he buys into your delivery. Yeah, so even if it is the cheap person, that's fine, let's centre it all around cost and let's go and find those people. 100%. Great. 100%. Okay, Neil, uh, it's been fantastic talking to you. Uh, listening to some of that stuff has certainly helped me with some things. I hope it's helped everybody else. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. I'll speak to you again soon.